All right, that was a little bit different intro in honor of a special occasion this week. Um, this is the Force Carry Crew, and as always, I'm Jace Cobb, and with me is Steve Cook and Fats from the Internet. Um, that intro is in celebration to one of our very favorite players on the podcast, Fats's favorite player, uh, probably on the podcast, Webb Simpson, picking up a, you know, a Patrick Mahomes esque. Um, come from behind, win late at the Phoenix. So we had to bring something special um, for, you know, such an occasion. Webb is in our probably top five podcast power rankings of our favorite golfers. So we'll let you start it off, Fats. What did you, what'd you think about the uh, term this week? I know you're happy about it. Uh, it's, it was a great week. It's, it's always great when my future life coach, Webb Simpson, can win a tournament. I... I don't think it's hyperbole. I believe I am the world's foremost Web Simpson fan. I know I was on the Web bandwagon way before all these Johnny Come Latelys have jumped on in the last couple of years. I I have never done a 180 like I have done on Web Simpson, and I will I will attribute it to PGA Tour Live. PGA Tour Live is is the best money I spend all year. I have so much more appreciation for guys that I never really followed and never really liked. Seeing some guys play an entire round, seeing them play 18 holes, seeing how they work and think their way around a course, I have a ton of respect for Webb Simpson. I have a ton of respect for Zach Johnson. Those are the two guys I've done the biggest 180 on. Just being able to see them play. I, I see you, Steve, and, and I know it is shocking for people Um I couldn't stand either of those guys for the longest time, and I've gained such an appreciation for them being able to see them play entire rounds. Uh, it, but it wasn't just uh, the entire weekend was great. So started out Sunday. I, I mentioned last week about a buddy of mine who had just had a baby, went and saw the new baby girl, beautiful baby Harmony, saw her Sunday afternoon, got to a buddy's house for the Super Bowl party, watched Webb close it out, Birdie 17, birdie 18, birdie the first playoff hole. Super Bowl starts. I win the first quarter square. So, like, Sunday is leader in the clubhouse for day of the year for me. Uh, Steve, do you watch any golf? I, I watched a ton of it. Um, great tournament. Uh, it looks like a fraternity party. That's fine. And I've heard some negatives and positives, whether that's good for the whole golf in general. Um, did you see the girl show her tits to uh, the golfers while they were putting? Did you see that? No, please let us know what you're talking about. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm Justine sure was there. I'm pre- no, 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 no. I, I didn't say that she showed a TJ Maxx nighty underneath a uh, denim dress. This girl, some girl, just leaned over the the aisle and pulled her top down while these two golfers were putting. I didn't even pay. Nobody knows who the two golfers were putting. Not even the people that were, not even their caddies that were on the green. But that really happened. I mean, I think I pretty much described it already. You can go to Twitter and look at it if you want. Um, cool tournament. That's sad for my boy Finau. Um, I mean, although I will say, for all the guys out there, just pimping hard for Kobe Bryant. R.I.P. Um, Tony Finau came across as the realist, like the person you'd like, eh, it wasn't quite as lame as all these other losers, like Justin Thomas's five, seven and a half ass putting on a jersey. For, I mean, give me a break. I, 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 I might have turned on Justin Thomas this week. Um, 
It he, was that, too much. Th- that was a that was a stone cold Steve Austin, you know, joining the McMahon family level turn there to me. Uh, and so, but anyway, Finau choking. He just seems like such a good dude, and people say he didn't choke. He freaking choked. Jace, you played a lot of competitive golf. That's a choke. He's not leaving that tournament going, oh, shucks, shit happens. He's leaving that tournament going, I left that on the table. Am I correct? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Webb did have an incredible finish, and most of the time he might have gotten away with it, but he wasn't able to. I feel bad for How could anybody not like Finau? I don't want him to have that rap of never winning one. I, I think he's going to win a big tournament or two this year, but – you know, he maybe maybe he won't. I don't know. He's he's a solid player. It'll be his him. first win. It'll be his first big win ever. He's never won anything. He's yeah, got one win. Like, Puerto Rico. Yeah. That's not a real tournament. It's not. You uh, know my thoughts on that. Your your captain's choice at your club's better a more prestigious tournament than the Puerto Rico. Yeah, I I think he can get one next week. I think he's got a good chance at Riv. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, anyways, feel bad for Fee now. We're happy for Webb. I watched a you know some of it. We had texted uh, Spieth missed the cut. We had texted about that beforehand. We kind of called that. We were both kind of talking about his swing changes, said he has got a grip change. I'm actually on board with that uh, philosophy for him. That gives me some hope for him moving forward. I personally think his grip's gotten too weak, and he's kind of all over the place with his swing. Um, You know, who else was I paying attention to a little bit in that term? I was t- paying attention to Daniel Berger, my one-and-done pick that I got scoffed at. Uh, I yeah, think you were Steve. laughed at. What did he finish? Because you jumped way ahead of me in one-and-done this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Probably Had top fourth, 15 yeah. if he I was, picked him. He was T9. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He was T9. Hey, don't don't skip off that speed thing before you move on. Because that's something you, – you that went kind of nuts on, on – you, you were the first one on that. Yes. I, you were texting, I, I, and all of a sudden it blew up. I think maybe Shambly said something about it. I'm not convinced you and Brendel aren't the same person necessarily, but you've got some thoughts on that. I mean, we won't probably don't want it. We can go for an hour on his grip, but I mean, what are your thoughts on what he's doing? I sent a picture to my buddy um, that I play golf with a lot, who's a really, really good golfer, and we're kind of swing junkies together. I sent him a picture last spring, like a speed kind of halfway down on his downswing, and his club was – I don't know, five degrees more open than it used to be. So I found as many videos as I could find of him just to make sure it wasn't him trying to hit a fade or something. And it kind of was the same thing throughout all of his clubs. So I was wondering what he had done to do that. And I started looking at his left-hand grip, and it just got weaker and weaker, it seems like, every year. You know, I have some thoughts of why they probably tried to do that, maybe distance-wise, but... It just got to the point that he was playing from a more open uh, club face, and he started missing the missing the ball right and left. Well, when your club face is open coming into the ball, you've got to close it so fast to hit it straight, so you start hitting it left, you start hitting it right. And and I mentioned to him at that time that I thought his grip was too weak. I mentioned to y'all, you know, I think the first of the tournament, we kind of got into a discussion about whether he thought it was mental or physical. Um, is it? Does his swing not hold up under pressure because it's flawed, or is his swing fine because he plays good on Thursday, Friday, and it's just all mental because he can't play good on on, on the weekend? I think it's mostly mental, but there are some serious issues, and I mentioned that of all of his issues, my problem was his grip. Um, Steve doesn't like the chicken wing, and, and, you know, there's probably some valid reasons why that's not ideal, 
but the he played it really good with the chicken wing. He was a elite ball striker with the chicken wing, but he's never been elite ball striker with the chicken wing and a super super overly weak left hand grip. And then after the round, he like an hour after we had that discussion, he came off the course and said that he changed his grip, made it a lot stronger this week. He was kind of overdrawn some, which you would expect right after a grip change, but he's kind of making that change with eyes to Augusta. And I, I personally think that's definitely a good sign for him. I think that's the right way to go. It's much easier to play golf from a stronger club face position, especially somebody with his move, because that chicken wing keeps the club from closing. Um, you don't need to overdo that with a super weak grip. That also keeps the club from closing. It's just too much. So, you know, I think he's kind of got parts working against each other. I'm not a swing coach, but that's my opinion. And I guess he agree, you know, had kind of the same thought I did because he's going with the stronger grip. So hopefully he'll start hitting the ball a little bit better or it's just all in his head and it won't matter. I guess time will tell on that. That was a brief version of uh, what we texted back and forth today for, you know, Fats, you were at work or something. You didn't chime in on that for a while. Was that how many missed text messages was that in that thread today? I'm the curious. First, the first time I looked, it was I think 24. Oh, and the next so time, then well, no, the next time it was 60 something. Yeah, all on grip and shaft, and uh, we, me and Jace got into a long discussion today about club fitting and how he thinks that's bullshit. But one thing I'll say, and it's one of your boys that you turned me on to. It's a, a co- what's the guy in Greenville that you are real high on? The coach, coach Bradley Hughes. Yeah. Okay, and and he just got a winner on tour that was. Yeah, Brendan Todd or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Brendan Todd was okay. So, so I looked through some of his philosophy, and since you've talked about it, and one of the things he said is that he has changed a grip of a player maybe five times his entire coaching career. He never does it. He never messes with the grip. Every time I've ever been to a coach or seen a coach with a guy who's literally never touched a golf club, he always adjusts his grip to be. Jordan Spieth and adjusting your grip in a severe fashion at this point to me shows me that you're just clueless beyond repair. Um, if he said he was trying to fix a small little miss or he had a little you know, hitch or he was trying to get a little more power going into the Masters or going into the season, I'd be like, all right, cool. Maybe he's right there. He has no clue. Jace. Please don't apologize for this guy anymore. You don't change your grip in a major way and think that's going to change your golf game. Or am I dead wrong on this? I've never heard of, oh, just change your grip, man. Maybe Fats, maybe you'd be a fucking scratch golfer if you just change your damn grip. Well, the, the only caveat to that is he's changing it back to what it was three or four years ago. More like he came on tour. You know what I mean? It's not like he came on tour with a super, super strong Dustin Johnson grip and is changing it to a Chad Campbell super weak grip. He came on. So he's a, wasted two years of changing his grip. I mean, or a year or whatever. I mean, that, yeah, I maybe so. that's even worse. You know, no, I think it is. I think, I think he was trying to get more height on his ball. I think he was trying to get a little more flippy to get some speed and hit it farther. And I think he just gave up too much accuracy as a, or, or I don't know, or maybe it's just, who knows? Maybe it just started feeling more normal to him. Maybe he had a, maybe his elbow was hurting him from his chicken. Wing. I have no clue. His, his grip was stronger when he came on tour than it was two years ago and it got really weak and now he's going more back to what it used to be. So I don't, I don't, I agree with what you're saying. I don't think people should make wholesale grip changes unless it's just terrible, especially a tour player, but it's more him going back to the way kind of he used to grip it. And Tiger's kind of done that too over the years too, as he's not been able to rotate as much. Um, so you, you see people kind of tinker with it 
and he's only talking. He said five degrees. Like I don't even know how you you measure that, but uh, that's a Bryson. That's some Bryson level bullshit right there. I was thinking the exact same thing. But anyways, um, for the most part, I'm with you. But I think his case is a little different because he's kind of going back to what it used to be more than just completely changing. You know, making some drastic change, but there's enough talking well, about Spieth. It'll, we'll see if it works out. That that's might bring Spieth up later on in the program. It's possible. Well, that, yeah. that is true. Spo- spoiler alert or teaser. I, I do have something that I want to talk to y'all about a little bit um, in regards to the waste management. Something that I found interesting. Um, while all the golf cool kids were ridiculing Bryson because um, Brooks, you know, doesn't care about golf and drinks ultra and 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 is, is too cool for school i'm so excited for this i'm sorry to interrupt. i just i'm so excited okay. I, I, I don't want to build it up too much well four f- about four months ago bryson told the world that he was going to put on a bunch of weight and he was going to hit it farther and everybody laughed at him ridiculed him and so for four months he disappeared he put on like 40 pounds and fats guess who led the uh, tournament in driving distance this week uh, I'm going to guess, and I don't know this, but was it Bryson? It was Bryson DeChambeau. In four months, he took from the end of the year last year, when people hit it the farthest, when it's hot outside and all that stuff, from averaging 302 off the tee to 316 off the tee this year. He has added 14 yards to his average driving length in four months at the pro level. I would guarantee you that has never in the history of golf happened. Nobody has ever gained that much distance in that short of amount of time. He averaged 319 off the tee at the waste management. And so all these people that mocked him for not knowing what he was doing and saying he was ridiculous and all this stuff, well, he just proved to you that at least some part of what he's doing is working because that is an enormous distance increase for a professional golfer in basically four months. And... I mean, I, I really just can't quantify how impressive that is to gain 14 yards, period. But especially when you're already a professional golfer, it just does not happen. Does not happen, especially in four months. That's incredible. And, and I bet he's not done. How far is he going to be hitting it at the know. Ryder Cup? He's going to be hitting it 360. Yeah, I don't know. So we, we, all you people need to take note to what Bryson did this offseason. And you can laugh at his methods and his muscle activation and his giant, you know, gut that he's developing and everything that he's doing but if you could find a way to get me 14 yards in four months i would do anything that you asked and so would any other tour player because that simply does not happen so we we laugh a lot but we laugh with bryson we do not laugh at bryson we are we are on bryson's side or at least i am i'm not sure about steve he's one of the longest players on tour now look um i'm a big bryson fan and uh, I will say, just to play devil's advocate to you gentlemen, uh, that if you were to say, great, he increases driving distance a tremendous amount exponentially, his finishes in these tournaments seem to be lower than last year. Huh. Who really cares if you drive it further if you don't finish higher in the tournaments? However, I will posit the hypothesis that this is just phase one. Um, I don't watch Marvel movies. I don't know really much of the sort of history of the Incredible Hulk, but I'm going to make it up and call it, you know, the Bryson Hulk, whatever. Um, He's focused on distance right now. He's going to get huge. He's going to drive. He's going to probably, I would say, once he starts hitting about 380 off the tee, he's going to be like done. And he, and I I saw the 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 tournament in the Middle East. He can he can hit the ball about 360. 
I mean, it's not a problem. Yes. Yeah, it's not a problem for him. Again, one of the longest players on tour. I mean, he's he's now Matt Wolf with the rest of the game too, right? Fifth in total driving right now. Pretty unbelievable. So once he maxes his driver out, he's about I don't know what it would be about three hundred twenty five pounds or so by then. Fingers crossed. Now we revolutionize the short game. And I don't know what it's going to be. You don't know what it's going to be. He doesn't know what it's going to be. But it's Biomechanic. Be He's going to put like computers in his hands or something. There's probably no... <laughs> you ever seen that episode or that um, uh, Caddyshack? Uh, uh, you know, that, that's exactly what I was thinking. Listen, I, I don't... I've, I've read the PGA or the... I'm sorry, the USGA rulebook backwards and forwards. I still have not seen that band. Um, I haven't. So computers on the green. Yeah. I mean, it's based, that's what Bryson is anyway. So, uh, anyway, sorry. I, again, just to go back to the Marvel analogy, if he really can be this long and then somehow switch back to the preciseness that he had with his short irons in his earlier career and his mid irons, he was a great iron player, right? Jace, I think, yeah. uh, statistically. Um, but the problem has always been for these guys that decide to max it out. Whether it's Brooks or Rory, it's hard to control your spin with short irons if you're going to hit just compress the shit out of the ball and that's your normal swing. There's just it's hard to have those two different facets of your game. Rory cannot hit a wet. I mean, that's why he's not going to win Augusta probably ever. And uh, it's hurt Brooks too. I mean, I, DJ, all those guys, they get zoned in for a little bit, but if they're not right on, it's hard to have both of those things working at the same time. Yeah. So a question that I will ask to either of you, Brooks, I think Brooks's bodybuilding was, uh, he works out to still, to still exactly to still from it's always sunny in Philadelphia. He only works his glamor muscles. Like he was worried about looking great in his polo and I'm sure it had some benefit to his golf game, but that was secondary. Bryson was smart enough to figure out I'm doing this specifically for my golf game. So we we like to have fun with some of the, let's say, lesser bodies on tour with some of these great athletes. So who would you like to see follow Bryson and decide they're just going to get jacked? Like, who would it be the funniest to Ooh. see? Like, I, I don't know if Justin Thomas is capable of weighing no, more than like no. 160 pounds, yeah. but I'm trying to figure out who I want All to right. see. I, I got you. I got you. Yoked. I got, I got a couple you. ones too. Go ahead. All right. All right. All right. Listen. Now, now this is, you got to throw out the window that we're talking about the actual people. You got to think we're going to put this guy in an NFL linebacker training program. Yes. That weights, food, training, all that. John Rom would be a monster if he would ever do it. I mean, he's already like six three six. He's Ernie L's. Even Ernie L's back in his prime. Get that guy cut as hell and big. I mean. John Rahm's a bigger frame than Bryson. Um, I, I would like to see. I was trying to. I had a name, and then I didn't think that'd be as funny as I thought it would be. I don't know. That would be a good one, though. Uh, Rahm. Uh, I don't know. I can't think of who would be a who I'd want to just pack on the pounds. Um, what's the all guy's, right, all right. What's the guy's I, I got name you. That, that won the the little guy that hits the the glasses that hits the. Hooks one's three mate. Zach Johnson. I'd love to see him just pack on. He's too old. Pounds. He's too old. He would be soggy tits like Sylvester Stallone if he tried to take HGH at this point. 
You know, uh, how about how about I got you? I, I got you. How about Pat Reed? Pat Reed starts injecting anabolic steroids, starts working out, like starts getting juiced. That's he looks like Chris Jericho mm-hmm. in a, in about a year. He could transform his body, and for God's sakes, if he could keep his breath more than twenty paces, dude would probably have two majors by now. Yeah. I, I think Cantlay and Xander are young enough that they could get huge. Uh, Xander, I don't know if he's tall enough. I think Cantlay is kind of similar to Bryson Sneaky Big. Like Even before he started adding all this weight, Bryson was a big guy. I think Cantlay is kind of sneaky big, bigger than you realize. So I wouldn't mind seeing Cantlay get up to about, let's let's get him to 275 and see what happens. Yeah, dude, Cantlay and uh, what's his face you just mentioned? Those are just luchadors. They need to put mask. They can't. They need to work out for a year and get buff. Put on some mask, and they can go off the top rope or something. But nobody wants to see those guys in the main event. That's all I, I'm saying. I'd like to see Colin Morikawa put on about 40 pounds. I saw a video of him the other. He had fill calves almost, so he's got some. He's got some legs on him. He, he's so, got you, the lower half you, to support that. Are you saying KJ Choi, basically? <laughs> Whichever one it is. We've already talked about this before. I don't know the difference. No, listen, if you haven't heard the KJ Choi bit, <laughs> it may it may be the best 60 seconds. It may be what eventually gets this podcast picked up by Barstool or who the, whoever, you know. Like, uh, But KJ Choi, power lifter. Yes. Yang, maybe the skinny version of KJ Choi. Still, we still do not know, but... That was all I was going to say. That was the first like quantifiable Bryson, you know, experiment that you could prove actually works. So my first thought was, was his other stuff actually working too? Because now we have proof to his methodology actually working and there's nothing that you can argue. Spieth tried for two years to gain distance and gained what I could calculate as being about seven yards and in turn couldn't hit it on the course and in four months, Bryson picked up a quick 15 and still drives it just as accurate as he ever did. So kudos for Bryson for that. I'm ready to see him this summer when it gets a little warmer and that ball's flying a little bit farther. I mean, there's no and, – and he's into it. Like, he knows he hits it far. And you know, like, you ever know that – you know that guy from whatever walk of life that starts working out and he gets some muscle and it's just his whole aura changes. Like, the confidence about him – Everything about them changes just if they put on a bunch of muscle, if it's the skinny guy or if it's the kind of nerdy guy or whatever. And he spends a bunch of time in the gym and he gets kind of strong and he just has that, I want to show everybody swagger. Bryson's going to let that out this summer because he's fully aware of it being like a thing now. And he's he understands. So I'm ready for it this summer. Listen, we've we've long talked about this. And I don't want to catch it, get on your beat here, Fats. But I'll be brief. Uh, we've all... Known this is all leading down to a Brooks showdown with Bryson at WrestleMania, possibly SummerSlam. They could push it maybe to Survivor Series, but regardless, there's going to be a handshake. And I just wish I was there to see who releases first because Bryson is going to try to crush Bryson. He's going to try to crush Brooks's hand. And Brooks is so stupid, he probably won't even know what's going on, so he'll just assume that he needs to squeeze harder. They might be standing there for a month. Two two weeks, WGC Mexico, playing at 7,800 feet elevation. Bryson is going to hit a drive 440 yards in Mexico in two weeks. Oh, 
Can you can you wait to hear his like trying to? He's gonna because I, I guarantee you what he's gonna talk about is he's gonna be trying to figure out how far he hits it now, which changes virtually by the week because he keeps adding so much muscle mass, and figure out you know how far the ball's flying there. That that will be a talking he, point from him. He's going to have a driver and <laughs> ten wedges in his back. He he's probably just gonna take his driver out. He's probably gonna club down like adjust the lofts through his bag. That's what he should do. He should pre-calculate the altitude change and add more loft, whatever the corresponding loft would be, to every one of his clubs through the bag so nothing changes. If he's got a 47-degree pitching wedge, he can put a 51-degree pitching wedge in the bag, figure out the ratio, hit it the exact same distance over there. He does no tinkering, no wind adjustment. I actually think that's a pretty good idea, and if Bryson's listening to this, he might would be the exact person that would actually try to do that in a... Uh, in a tournament like that, Steve, well, you're I don't, over there. I, I don't, I don't want to um, rain on your parade, but that sounds ridiculous. All <laughs> yeah, of it, of course it does. Um, I don't think the matchup in Mexico City is going to happen. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about this. When Brooks was in the Middle East last week, he didn't even play in the Abu Dhabi tournament, but he was in town all week at the nightclubs. How do I know this? His wife's a slut on Instagram. Or, I'm sorry, his girlfriend. Influencer. And, by the way, I'm sorry for all you guys that listen to this on speaker, on your Alexa, while you're cooking breakfast for your kids. And Heather, like, our new listener. Yeah, and and Heather, you too. Like, I'm sure you... Heather, how you doing? Heather. Um, anyway, uh, I'm sorry if that language offended you. I don't, I don't even remember what we're talking about. We probably need to move on from Bryson and Brooks, but good Lord... I mean, what's the, who's the special guest referee in that match? Hmm. I don't know. Brandel? <laughs> I have no clue who the guest referee would I mean, that's, be. that's not bad. Johnny Miller would be. Bring him no, out of retirement. I, here, here's what, this is where, you know, Vince McMahon's smarter than all of us. Here's where I'm going to throw at you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Former wrestler. He's going to get involved in the match. Bryson's like, oh, a scientist, a fellow scientist. I like this. All right, we can... I just like it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm way off base here. Well, we can use this to transition into a, another topic. Did you read? Uh, I guess all the the golf brainiacs got together and, and published a very verbose um, uh, findings on distance and all kinds of stuff related to what people like, how far stuff's going, yada yada yada. And I guess that's going to spark a huge debate. It just came out today, I think. I've just kind of skimmed through it, read a few articles. I have not uh, made a did deep you, did dive. You see I will Fats? make a deep dive. I didn't know if y'all have seen any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fats didn't even see it. I, I, I barely saw it. Yeah, some of the highlights. They just, you know, um, basically they, they kind of echoed what we've already known. Some of the uh, non-avid golf people or higher handicap golf people still want to see people hit it as far and high as possible. Uh, a more you know, stronger golf fans and uh, lower handicap golfers aren't impressed by that, do not care. Uh, it's one of the talking points there. Hey, they found correlations to scoring and distance, just, just obvious stuff like better players hit it farther than amateurs. They're trying to, you know, just see if basically they're trying to see if it'd benefit golf to, you know, the pros to play certain equipment, amateurs to play certain equipment, you know, what, 
what to do after they've spent, you know, 20 years renovating golf courses uh, for distance. They're trying to figure out what to do now when they could have uh, done that from the beginning. I think I think amateurs and pros playing different clubs is a terrible idea. I'm sure there's a lot of smart people that completely disagree with me, and I'm sure they can make strong arguments. I don't know what the answer is. We all have our thoughts. Um, I think the easiest thing to do would be to change the ball for everybody. Um, they changed wedges for everybody not too long ago. You know, it stinks for a little bit, but you get over it and you and you move on. Equipment manufacturers can still do what they can with the new ball. They can still come out with all their new stuff. That That's my thought for that. Um, I also think you could just change the way you set up courses. That would eliminate some of that at the pro level. But kind of what I was catching from that article is not really – people don't really care um, that pros hit it far and make a lot of birdies. Just people that really like golf seem to care more about it than the average person. And God, they're trying to grow the game and shot shaping and – Precision golf is maybe not the best strategy to get a stronger viewership. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anything's going to happen. But Steve, if you were in charge, if you you know you were in charge of golf and you had to make a decision. Oh about, God, this would be so awesome! <laughs> oh to, my God, you had to make I a would, decision. What would you do? I'd play Cypress Point naked um, <laughs> first. No, uh, I'll give you an analogy here. Okay, um, I like to play basketball. Um, I was pretty good at basketball when I was younger. Um, if I go down to the park down the street, it's going to be a, the best court my neighborhood has. The rims are going to be in good shape, but they certainly weren't updated this month and they weren't fine tuned. And my shoes probably hadn't pulled them out of my closet in a while, whatever. Um, to me, that's the same thing as like equating that you're going to go out to a golf course uh, and play with the same equipment as professionals, but no professional people play with the same equipment. It's, it's a huge, yeah, the professionals are going to have this giant advantage over you. And if you strapped on their shoes on your shitty court in your neighborhood, you're not going to be that much better, but it's going to make you feel better about it. You can't bifurcate the game because by all in every sport, there's not any sport that the professionals, you can't play with what the professionals have. And, um, you know, what happens when we whose authority are we going to give to change the ball? Okay, that's a huge. I know for a fact that that's a huge problem. There was a uh, it, it came out of the deal when Tyler May was going to get Taylor May was going to get acquired, uh, the Adidas deal and all that. But they had to make some information public. They they can't have a one body adopt a ball because that that would be the standard, right? So just say the USGA says, all right, this is the standard for the ball. If you don't make a ball this way, that doesn't conform well, well who's going to know you're giving an incredible amount of power to these people and nobody's going to give that power up the pga tour will want their own ball and then the european tour will want their own ball and the british open have their own ball there's only one person that can do it it'll be the masters if the masters came out tomorrow and said we're going to play with the masters ball it's going to be this spec period you're going to test your fucking balls on our range and if they don't fit you're not going to be able to play it in our golf tournament that might make a difference but otherwise, we're just we're just treading water here. Well, why couldn't why couldn't there be some? No, I don't know. I'm just asking, thinking out loud. Why couldn't there be some kind of, you know, not like a bounce, you know, with a trampoline effect type situation for the ball, where, you know, all the ball manufacturers have to be under a certain threshold. There's some kind of stamp well, on the ball, and you you're well, not there allowed you go. to play tournament. Who's, you're not allowed to play tournament golf. That? 
Well, you're stamping it. You're giving so much power to these manufacturers, which frankly have no. It's like saying there's official football for the NFL, and what Nike's do you, like, do you we think, got it. Do you think that? Well, what's the difference between people just going back and playing old square groove wedges and just knowing that nobody's going to come look at them during a the tournament? Fine. You want to play a well? You know what I'm different. saying? Yeah. Well, no, I get. It. I get it. But a ball is different than equipment, right? You have to have millions and millions and millions of balls in service, right? I mean, you can like kind of check somebody's clubs. Yeah, it's like a hidden thing, right? I mean, I don't know. I just think I think bifurcating through the ball seems to be what the, gets thrown up as the easiest, most sort of like adopting the traditions thing is. But it just, it's not, it doesn't work. It doesn't work unless you hold the professionals to a different standard, like uh, my example of doing it at the Masters or the U.S. Open or whatever. The US, the USGA could come out and say, you cannot play in our events without this ball that's certified. Would everybody go along with it? And the USGA doesn't have the balls to come out and say that without the PGA Tour involved. The USGA already barely can hold on to the U.S. Open. I mean, if they didn't have a trophy to hand out once a year, nobody would play in their golf tournament. You know, I mean, they hate the USGA. So all I'm saying is there's so many powers in this, and there's so much money going back and forth. They're never going to bifurcate. The, the game. This game is played in Dick's Sporting Goods right now, and you, that ball doesn't matter at all except for what gets sold to people like us playing golf and losing them in ponds, not getting them for free. They can make the ball slightly bigger, and you have to put it through a hole on the first tee. <laughs> If it doesn't fit in the hole, then uh, you can't play with it. <laughs> There's my solution. But, but how cool would it be to, to see a tournament, though, where they did do that? Even if it was a one-off, an exhibition tournament. Hey, Tiger, Tiger and Rory are going to play with blades from the 1950s and a balata ball. They, they've practiced. We gave them a couple days of practice with them. They're going to play. I think they'd have fun with it, and I'd watch. I'd watch the shit out of that. If, if golfers would have their own YouTube channel, I'd. Wa- I would love to watch something like that. Bring out the wooden driver, all blades, and a lot of ball, and they can go play the middle tees at some awesome course. And Tiger would wax everybody, or all the old players would wax everybody, um, but especially Tiger. Um, yeah, it'd that's, be awesome to watch. That's that's what sport would you like to see guys play with old equipment? Football? That would be fun. Well, before I jump to on onto that, there were a couple of things that you did mention that are thoughts that I did have. Uh, talking about the playing from the middle tees, as far as amateurs are concerned, and it's been forever since I've even been on a golf course, but even then, I think one way to... Um, you don't have to worry about the equipment differences, if guys play from the tees that they should be playing from, like it, some amateur goes out there and is trying to play from the tips because he thinks that's what he should be doing. Like that you can use the same equipment and it doesn't matter if the course is designed for a professional or for a scratch or for a low handicap guy. Uh, I could play on the same course that either of you play on and have just as good of a time if I move up and hit from the tees that I should be hitting from, I think people are too proud to do that and probably get themselves in trouble. As far as the actual professional tournaments, I, I'm the wrong person to ask because I'm the idiot that wants to see the shot shaping. Like I want to see that. Call me when there's an article promoting 
more out of bounds on courses. That's an article that I want to get on board with. Like I am not the target demographic for the tour wanting that. to grow the game. Yeah. Um, because I want more out of bounds. I want these guys to be penalized more for bad shots. I, I want carnage is too strong of a word, but I think they have it so easy the way some of these courses are set up. And I don't Jason, know that that's Jason necessarily and I said that. Yeah. Jason and I have said that for years. They get it easy on the tour. I mean, and, I, we lose way more balls than they do just playing a normal round. And I don't know that that has, I, I doubt that has very little to do with equipment. It has to do with the way that these courses are set up and the way these tournaments are set up. So, uh, I have a hard time really mustering much sympathy for anyone who wants to complain about equipment changes when I think a lot of it could be alleviated just by course setup. But I don't know how much that necessarily dovetails with the conversation that you were having. But it's just a couple of the thoughts that I did have that I've had before, things that we've talked about for years uh, on this pod and off. I'm not letting you off the hook here. What sport do you want to see go back in time and play with old Tennis. Less techno- technology. Let, let's see these racket. baseball players use the same ball, like the same baseball for an entire nine-inning game. It, All right, that's good. Instead of getting a new hot ball every three pitches, every four pitches. I'd like to see Federer stomp on Nadal and Djokovic with an old eight-inch wooden racket or whatever they used to play with back in the day. I, thought, I think that'd be fun to watch. Well, this is this is – completely like you know not the same exact thing but i guarantee you that uh who's that 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 white polish guy that plays center for the the uh, utah jazz what's his name jokic uh nicola the nuggets yeah yeah yeah. sorry i'm not up on uh, nba i'm not a millennial but uh i bet you that guy wants to go to back to 1945 and play in the nba holy shit he'd score 100 points a game yeah, nobody be taller or could jump higher than him. So my whole point is this: going back in time, taking technology away from sports, just not going to work. Even though I agree with you, Jason, somebody who loves the game, that would the problem I think that you know people don't see that aren't really immersed in it from a not just watching it on TV thing is it's changing so many awesome golf courses. You know, a place like the Ocean Course down in Kiowa, which I've had the fortune of playing many times and play it, try to play it once a year. Like they're chasing majors because that's what these golf courses do, and they've started to tweak it a little bit, where it just doesn't need to be an eight thousand yard golf course with tiny greens and bunkers all around. I mean, it, you can't equate the normal golfer with those qual again, the, the, the one thing you could go have another set of golf courses for the pros that nobody else wants to play, but golf's not supposed to be like that. Golf is unique though. Like you said, that's, that's what's unique about that is in other sports, you know, people aren't really just getting to a point where what they play on is, is useless. You know what I mean? In football, nobody's thrown at a hundred yards. You know what I mean? That problem. The only ex- somewhat close example is, I guess, you know, a few years ago people found out that three is more than two, so NBA players just shoot threes all the time. And some people think that the three-point line is too close and they should move it back because people are shooting such a high percentage of three-pointers now and it's kind of changed the game in some way and the three-point line's obsolete. 
And that's kind of an argument you hear sometimes that they should move it back and do all that kind of stuff. That's the only sport that I can think of where that's kind of a thought. And, and that's not even a technology thing. That's just a skill people found out that they could get really good at and do that. Golf is that also because the people today swing really fast. And it's also the equipment. It's a, it's, it's a little bit different. I think, like you said, Steve, the biggest shame in all of it is our courses like Colonial and courses like this, you know, courses that we like, pick one, um, lose some of their, you know, play guys don't want to play them because it, you know, it doesn't fit their game. Bryson's a prime example. He's obviously decided that he's going to make the most money if he hits it far, and he's probably right. So, you know, it's just kind of – and this is an avid golf fan conversation. This is not, you know, uh, Bill Simmons would much rather watch the Spurs from the mid-2000s than – you know, whatever the Warriors would, but I would rather watch the Warriors. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not a diehard. I watch the basketball, but I'm not a diehard basketball fan. And, you know, baseball is a good example. I want to see people hit home runs. Well, you know, hardcore baseball fan loves a good defensive battle with great pitching and all that kind of stuff. I just want to see people hit home runs. And the average golf fan does not care about what we're talking about. I know we feel like they do because we're in a bubble of golf Twitter and listening to golf podcasts with really hardcore golf fans, but the public just does not think that way. Uh, my brother-in-laws are prime examples. They're, neither one of them can break 90, and we watch golf all the time, and all they want to do is just watch DJ mash it, and that's cool. I'm not, not going to be holier than now than them. I just have a different thing that I watch for with golf, and most people do. So that, that's the issue. I don't think as many people want the change as we think want the change i'll give you one more cross sport comparison that i think is apt in this scenario and, and that's like quarterback play or, or overall play starting college and in the nfl now about big play football right like you know back in the 80s when i started watching football as a little kid watching it was more defense was sort of revered and yeah defense is still great but what really matters is those big plays those bunch burst scoring plays fantasy footballs tweaked us all to look at that and that is what driving the ball is it doesn't really matter it doesn't get you to the super bowl necessarily go look at the best fantasy football players this year there wasn't a whole lot of them playing in the super bowl right i mean mahomes is an obvious exception but i mean you know maybe didn't have anybody yeah they, had, yeah, they had that running back that was great in the second year, but overall, they didn't have these fantasy. So, so driving the ball, it's flashy, but it doesn't win necessarily. And what wins is you know possession, still being a good quarterback, right? Still being able to possess the ball, not turn the ball over. That's putting. That's consistency. It doesn't change. If you're a good putter, you're a good putter. So somehow, you know, being a streaky putter and a great driver all the time, well, you're going to pop a couple times. Being a great putter and a decent driver, okay, you might win some golf. If you could possibly mirror those two, that's when you get to those freak show numbers like Brooks and, um, you know, other guys that go on these spurts. And uh, I don't know. That's where everybody seems to be trying to cross that, that axis between driving distance and short game ability. And that's all that matters. If anything in this era has gone, it's the mid-iron play. Nobody gives a shit. Who cares about a five-iron? Do they even practice a five-iron? What's the point? Par three. Yeah, if, every if, if they're hitting, they're hitting a five iron. They messed up somewhere. Yeah, or they're off a tee, like par, Jason's point. I mean, what's three. the point? Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 really taking the bag down to the top and the bottom. And um, is that better? Is that worse? I don't know. Can you stop it? What are you gonna do? Maybe take some uh, clubs out of your bag. Maybe 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 have a twelve club limit. Uh, 
That would change a lot of things. Um, well, there'd well, be more shot shaping involved if you only gave, like you said, if you're only using driver seven iron through putter and there's not much shot shaping and people want to see shot shaping and they don't want to give up distance, well, give them, give them 12 clubs in their bag and make them take two of them out. Um, these guys don't I tell you, four and five I'll tell you irons. why that's never going to happen. I just bought clubs today. I told you today I bought a new set of irons. I finally committed on these uh, irons that I will not name because they're going to have to plug me later after I, you know, play good with them. I bought eight clubs, two wedges, ten, ten clubs because I know I have fourteen clubs in my bag. They're never going to. They're never going to say no. Nah, I don't worry about carrying a three. But you're not. You're not playing in a tournament. You could go. You can go buy a bumblebee driver and a condor golf ball and a. And a square groove reverse well, ROI spin doctor well, wedge we tomorrow but, and play what no, you want to play. But no serious golfer is ever going to not play by pro rules. You know, you know yeah, that, Jace. If I go true. out there with, if I just meet you on the tee at Pebble Beach uh, w- w- after you brag later on this podcast how many times you played it, uh, I meet you on the tee. I'm a restaurateur from South Carolina and you're an industrialist from West Texas. Um, and we introduce ourselves, and I whip out a freaking bumblebee uh, driver and a, 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 a you know a belly putter. You're not gonna play, you know. It's we police ourselves. Golfers are, you know, we're we're self-sustaining entity. So that I just think it's unrealistic to ever consider there's gonna be bifurcation done by the masses. No, I think bifurcation is stupid too. I agree with you. But it, the PGA has done it. They changed they changed uh, grooves. They changed. They made you get rid of belly putters. They uh, wouldn't let you play with those ping balls back in the day but, that were split. But that's not bifurcation. I'm, that's not, not, bifurcation. I'm not arguing for bifurcation. I think bifurcation's stupid. They're just saying change the rules. Period. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and 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 the, the to my point, the amateurs followed. You see a guy putting with a belly putter, you beat his ass, and then you ban him from your club. That's right. Beat his ass first. You can play with the belly putter all you want in a regular round of golf, and I've I haven't seen a belly putter in three years. So. But but I will say there's that Taylor. Remember the Taylor made wedges. Back in 98, 2008-ish, before they changed the grooves, there was a replaceable face technology. I think it was even called RFT. And I bought like three or four faces. You used to be able to unscrew the faces. You remember that? Mm-hmm. It was right before the groove switch. And we bought a couple and did it. Yeah, it lasted like two or three seasons, but it didn't really matter. And I mean, yeah, you can go and, you're not going to inspect my grooves on the first tee, but if I pull out a, you know, a belly putter. A I too, like Phil used to. Yeah. When they first changed the rule because they were grandfathered <laughs> in somehow. Yeah. That was a whole lot of equipment talk. Yeah, done with that. We're not going to get into a club fitting talk either. We wasted enough uh, time tonight. I guess, well, this is a weird tournament for me. I love Pebble. I hate three different course tournaments. I don't like this tournament at all. It's on my favorite course, and it's a shame. I do love it on Sunday. I always sit down and pretty much watch the entire uh tournament on sunday fats kind of alluded to that's when the golf season starts for him to me it starts a couple weeks ago but but for sure i'm 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 paying attention i'm devoting time i'm going to be on my couch sunday watching the final round of this tournament because i love pebble i do not like this tournament i do not like the format i hate multiple course tournaments i hate shot track tracker not working i hate everything about i hate the carlton dance i hate bill murray being a doof i hate Timberlake having a decent swing and everybody thinking he could play on uh, mini tours. And I hate all of that stuff. But all that being said, come Sunday, if there's some good players in it and you're looking at beautiful Pebble and whoever else, uh, Jim Nance will find a way to be there. Uh, I'll be all for it. And I'll be watching it on Sunday because it is my favorite 
favorite golf course, so I'm, I'm going to be there watching it. So, Fats, what do you think about this week? I could not agree more with everything you just said. I, I'll give a real quick breakdown. Uh, not really even just a breakdown, just a little information. So, like you said, the three courses they're playing on, Pebble is going to play a par 72, 6,816 yards. Spyglass plays par 72, 7,035 yards. And Monterey Peninsula playing as a par 71, 6,958 yards. So all three of those yardages, three very short courses. All of them are on POA, all of them with very small greens. Pebbles are tiny, tiny, tiny. Uh, I think around 3,500 square feet on average. The others are closer to six, but it's still small by tour standards. So just one interesting thing that I would bring up looking at that, which which makes a little more sense, off the tee in this tournament is far less important than it is in most tournaments. So uh, you've heard me break it down before and looking at the four strokes gain buckets, talking about off the tee approach around the green and putting. So in your normal, just across the entire season, in an average tournament, a player or the entire field is going to gain just over 15% of their strokes off the tee, 15.1%. At this tournament, they only gain 11.8%. So where that difference is made up is mainly an approach a little bit around the green, which makes perfect sense. Like your approach game is going to be more important going into these small greens and everybody is missing these greens. So you're around the green play becomes more important. So you can pretty much throw off the tee out the window this week, which Steve kind of alluded to earlier. I do like Jordan speed this week. Uh, if anyone can hit it in the Pacific Ocean, it's going to be Jordan Spieth. So even him, he can still find trouble off the tee. But off the tee is far, far, far less important this week. Maybe as least important as it will be the entire year this week. Your approach game is going to be more important. And then Spieth is still, for all his trouble, he still putts like a madman and he is still great around the green. But if you look at last week's uh, ball striking stats. So he was he was not good in round one. He he gained two and a half strokes tee to green in round two last week. He gained almost a stroke off the tee combined over both rounds, and he struggled on the greens, which is very uncharacteristic for him. So you have to go all the way back to the Open Championship to find a tournament where Jordan Spieth gained strokes off the tee, and he gained last week. And then even as badly as he played in the first round, he still broke even on approach. So it's the best round. Round two is the best ball striking round he has had since early last year. Last year, Phil played terrible round one at the waste management. Played okay in round two, but missed the cut, but actually showed a little bit of life. Comes to Pebble, a course that he owns where he has, he's won before, he has great memories, and somehow, quote unquote, out of nowhere, Phil won a tournament. I don't know that Jordan Speeth is going to win this week, but I said last week I wanted him to have just a middle of the pack finish because I think, uh, maybe I'm an idiot, but I think he's going to get it back. I, I said I think he wins this year, and in most cases, with a guy that talented, I want to be early instead of late. 
So I'll play him on DraftKings this week. He's $9,000. I'm definitely playing him on DraftKings. I'm considering whether I'm going to bet him at 40 to 1 or not as an outright. I probably will talk myself into it. But even Steve said earlier that even at 41, that's a terrible number for him as bad as he has been playing. Like he should be 80 to 1, 100 to 1. If his name wasn't Jordan Spieth, he would be 150. He would be 200 to 1. But I would rather be early than late on him. I think he showed me enough in round two, and maybe it's fool's gold like Steve alluded to earlier, but I like speed this week. Uh, a couple other guys I like. I'm, DJ owns this course. He did not play well last year. I am wondering if DJ just has not figured out Bryson's jet lag cure because last year DJ – Played in the Middle Eastern tournaments, played in uh, Saudi Arabia, played in Abu Dhabi, flew back, and he flew back to Pebble after playing in the Middle East the week before, and it was the worst he's ever played at Pebble, the worst he's ever played at this tournament. I, I think DJ, like he, he's got a great chance to win next week, great chance to win in Mexico. I'm going to fade him this week, and maybe I'm an idiot, but I. I want to see him come back and play well his first week coming back from overseas before I jump on him this week, especially since I like Cantlay so much, and Cantlay is there right underneath him on DraftKings. So if you, you made me choose between DJ and Cantlay, I'll take Cantlay that week uh, at the top so that I would avoid DJ. The next couple of guys, Casey Day, Snedeker, they can't go wrong with any of them. I will probably lean Snedeker on DraftKings just because from everything I'm looking at, he's projected to be lower owned. And it's all three of them have great history here. All three of them are perfect fits for this course. All three of them have great short games. So Snedeker would mainly just be trying to get some ownership leverage. The first guy that I will definitely bet on to win is going to be Matthew Fitzpatrick, 22 to 1. Perfect fit for this course. He's not a longer hitter, but he is a great, great wedge player, great short iron player, great around the green, a very good putter on POA. And he, when he gets hot, a lot of guys in the U.S. aren't as familiar with him. He's just a little nondescript looking guy. He blitzes good fields in Europe once or twice a year when he gets hot. So I like him at 22 to 1. I like him as a fit for Pebble. I like him as a guy who has said that he is going to give more concentration and place higher importance on playing well in America this year. Excuse me. There are a couple of Euros who that it's a big deal that they want to make a Ryder Cup team. They want to play really well in America. And he he's one of those guys that usually comes over in the Florida swing. He usually pops up at Honda, Bay Hill, Valspar, somewhere in there. But he's coming over early this year he did not play in Abu Dhabi last week or were they in Saudi last week whichever he, he played two weeks ago but did not play last week he came over last week he's already been here and adjusted he should be a great fit for Pebble and then he's looking to get his season started earlier in America so I'm gonna take a chance on Fitzpatrick at 22 to 1 I mentioned Spieth at 40 to 1 and then the only guy that I'm considering betting as an outright right now is Adam Hadwin at 50 to 1. 
he's a guy who these pro-am tournaments are just weird. They're super, super long grounds, which should be fine for Cantlay. Um, super long grounds, but Hadwin always plays great at the American Express at the Desert Classic. He he owns that tournament. He's never won. He finishes top two or three pretty much every single year. He's used to playing these long, long grounds. He's played really good in pro-ams. He's a great statistical fit for this course. Uh, in the model that I'm running, he's 10th in the long term, first in the midterm, second in the short term. 50 to 1, and I'll probably go ahead and bet him 10 to 1 for a top five just to kind of cover me there if he doesn't doesn't quite uh, pull off the victory. And then just a few guys. I'm, I'm not going to bet these guys to win, but there are some guys in kind of the middle cheaper tier that I will definitely play on DraftKings and that I'll – I'll look at and consider for like a top 10 or a top 20 bet, but it's going to be Furyk, Cameron Tringale, uh, Adam Long, and Luke Donald, kind of sneaky. He He's another guy who does not hit the ball far at all. He's been playing terribly. But if you look at the modeling, when you take out such um, – that you place so little importance on off the tee, but you look at his around the green in his short game, so he's going to be – 26 long-term modeling, ninth in the midterm, 11th in the short term. And you can get him at 25 to one for a top 10, 11 to one for a top 20. He doesn't have to play great, great. He doesn't have to win the tournament. I mean, he's 300 to one to win. I'm not going to bet him to win, but you can get him at 25 to one for a top 10, 11 to one for a top 20. So those are just some guys and he's super cheap on DraftKings, like 6,300. So, those are some guys that no one's going to be playing on DraftKings and that if you want to look into a guy that, I mean, Vaughn Taylor, Steve's man, has won this tournament in the last few years. Um, who's the moron that always plays with Bill Murray um, that won here a couple of years ago? Ted Potter just stared DJ down and beat him two years ago. So, like, Guys at 300 to 1, 400 to 1 can win this tournament just because it's such a goofy tournament. I'm not going to be betting any of them, but those are some guys with long numbers that may be worth looking into. So, Steve, I think you disagree with about 90% of everything I just said. So, you can go ahead and oh, burn I, me down now. I don't think it's that high. Um, I will say <laughs> if you're looking for a long shot, um, a la Luke Donald. You can also play um, Jason Voorhees or um, uh, Britney Spears. Uh, they both have an equal shot at winning this golf tournament. Um, Luke Donald may have had a good golf game back when Iraq had WMDs, but he ain't got no short game anymore. Uh, he may have come in 73rd at the Mayakoba. But that's straight up just because he was checking on vineyards in Mexico that grow muscat. And I know that for a fact. And the only reason he's at Pebble Beach is because he has a Pinot Noir property down the street. And uh, frankly, I'm tired of big wine um, infiltrating golf. And uh, I'm not sure if you heard this before. There's going to be a class action lawsuit very soon against golf if they continue to allow wagering and not checking these scrubs they put in the golf tournament that are just checking on their vineyards. Um, it happened this week against, was it MMA fats? What was it? Some league. Not, oh, I'm, I'm not sure. I was just, you said, it's going to happen, action. man. You said class action. And I started thinking back through 
my Rolodex of who I can get on board with. Uh, I've got a, I've got a big issue with Nate Lashley from a couple of weeks ago with a drawing, giving me a big zero in my one and done. And then I think he finished what T three last week. So uh, Nate Lashley, I could do Luke Donald. Uh, all the money I lose on him this week, I had no idea that he was into vineyards. I had no idea that that is the only reason he's at this golf tournament. So I'm going to waste my money on him. But that this is the information that we need to know and that we should be able to recoup some of our losses for these guys who habitually take advantage of us when we are not really up to speed on what their true motivations are. Well, we always get lost at this point. Should we do one and done now, later, Jace? What do we, should we just go ahead and, I mean, yeah. should we do standings for that? Because it's pretty impressive. I think we should do one and done. I'll I'll pick last. I th- I've got a such a I'm, – I'm the Jimmy Walker of the vacation circuit. Well, it's, one crazy that, it's crazy that you continue to pick last three weeks in a row now, and somehow you're in first. Uh, you, that, that whole good old West Texas bullshit, like, Oh, pardon me, fellows. Uh, sorry, I'm in the lead. I'll just mosey on over here and sit in the corner and sip my whiskey <laughs> while you guys outlay your strategy. I, I, I think it's time for okay. you to pick first. I'll go first. I'm going to pick Paul Casey this week in my one and done league. So you can take that to the bank. He'll make the cut. Oh, I hadn't oh, even got dagger. close to a miscut dagger. yet. So, uh, Paul Casey this week. Probably top 10. Yeah, I think he's T8 and T2 the last two years. Yeah. I'm changing my strategy with this. Uh, but do you want to pick a real winner? We'll do like oh, yeah. a real. Uh, my real, real winner is Paul Casey. Uh, I like it. I like the double whammy there. Um, I'm going DJ. Um, I'm just going to start burning the horse. I, 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 I see this one and done strategy of saving guys, and then all of a sudden, what, what am I What am I saving them for what? The Wells Fargo? Give me DJ. Already? I don't care. Give me DJ and give me DJ to win. Wow. Desperate. Desperation already. You're going to be picking Ted Potter Jr. by the end of the season. Hey, that's a good pick for the first open. (laughs) (laughs) So I I thought about Snedeker. I thought about had one. But I'm going to go ahead and get Jason Day out of the way. I it. Who knows? if he'll be healthy enough to play another tournament the rest of his life. I feel good that he's going to actually play in this tournament. I feel good that this field is weak enough that he should be able to make a cut. And right now I'm sitting on, I mean, I'm slowly creeping up. I'm up to $62,000 for the year. Like (laughs) I, I, I went from a T45 with a, no, I've gone miscut, withdraw, T forty five and then a T thirty four last week with Sanjay. I'm I'm slowly climbing the ranks. Maybe I can get like a T twenty five with Jason Day this week. Pick up like I don't know another thirty thousand dollars and just slow and steady wins the race. Mm. Is that your sixty thousand? That's like a it's a decent salary for a Central Florida middle school teacher who posts on internet forums as a uh, lonely old man drinks Budweiser and eats catfish off a grill. Yeah, so just for all the people out there who I know are following this like very closely, I'm at sixty two thousand seven hundred and thirty five dollars. Steve, you are you have a nice four hundred and eighty eight thousand dollars. And Jace, you are at one point one three million through Jay, four tournaments. That's one lucky tournament, basically, right? Uh, that's true. I won my league, my 
uh, fantasy league this past week too. Thanks. Oh, to, with Webb. Thanks to Webb and Burger. Um, Burger. Yeah, strong picks there. Uh, who do you think is going to actually win the tournament, Fats? Your j- just to wrap this up. Your worst week ahead of my total for the year. Oh well, I mean, um, I'm due for a correction. Me, yeah, give give me Cantlay to win, but I the number's too small for me to bet. I'm not gonna bet him at twelve to one, um, because there's so many just crazy winners. I'm I'm not that confident in him this week. I'll be pulling for Speed. I hope Speed plays well. Uh, Chad, is he gonna make the cut? Yes or no? Chad, watch this week. Uh, I like him better than Duffner. Duff is mm. struggling. Mm. Jesus Christ, Duffner versus Chad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, why don't we just go watch two bums fight in a parking lot behind a liquor store? That, like uh, Duff and Chad against Romo and Timberlake. Who are you taking? <laughs> Oh, uh, Ro- Romo! Romo's winning that whole fight. He's a big, athletic dude. Oh, we're talking about fight, or I thought you were talking about match play because both would be competitive. Romo, yeah. Romo, Timberlake versus who now? Ch- Chad and Duff. Yeah. Oh, dude, can Chad fight? Chase, you, you know, uh, I can't imagine. Chad is a good basketball player. I mean, he's probably six. So he's an athlete, but he's not. Yeah. But he's not taking out Romo. Uh, no. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> no. And then. For Timberlake, he'd take he'd take Timberlake out for sure. But it, now it's Timberlake versus uh, Duff. What's up? What's up? Yeah, I mean, Ooh. I don't know if Duffner can lift his arm above his waist most of the time. <laughs> uh, I'd like to see that. Does, does Duffner follow us on Twitter? Oh, no, I no chance. Once he, he follows us on he Twitter, has better I'll things stop. to do. Once he stops, once he starts following us on Twitter, I'll stop trying to tell you guys to google jason duffner's wife naked uh, on google until he follows us continue to do that it's, for, I mean, it's we, a worthwhile search we know some people who tailgate with him we may be able to get this right, delete. In, in front of him at some point <laughs> right, but I, i'm not i'm not ready to <laughs> throw that flag up the pole yet all right uh, who, who gets on first duffner or frank martin uh, if I if I can get Frank Martin on, that'll be a big get, right? I think so. That's a huge. E- get. Uh, l- l- now listen, even if it's a five minute interview, just me and him at a golf tournament, is that cool? Is that enough yeah. to get that audio on? Yes. Okay. No I think I can make that happen. Well, that will wrap up uh, Pebble. Um, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to it. Before we kind of ramble to end the podcast as we usually do, we had a mailbag question. Uh, Steve, as the South Carolina expert, we had a a, a question. I don't know his uh, Twitter handle. Um, doesn't matter. He asked for Dip, some dipshit headed to Charleston. <laughs> he, a, he asked. For, I know his real name, but I'm not going to air him out. Uh, he asked for some wrecks on Charleston, and as the resident of South Carolina, I've, I've been to Charleston. I, I'm not here in a position to offer any good recommendations. I went to a oh, rooftop bar. I can't remember what the name of it was. Went to a sushi place. Don't remember. Raw something. It was pretty oh, good. Oh, gosh. Great. Uh, that's about it. That's all I got. So, Steve, wow. why don't you wow. point them in the sounds right direction? Like, sounds like you really painted the town red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Charleston's weird, man. Uh, it's become like I, I, I see more on message boards Rex for Charleston than I do see Rex for New York. And uh, they're not even comparable towns. 
Um, Charleston's a tiny little peninsula. If when I hear people ask for wrecks for Charleston, I think peninsula because that is Charleston. When you hear people say, "Oh, I live in Charleston," they don't, unless they're an eighty-year-old lady or they're worth a fifty million dollars or so. They don't live in Charleston, and it bothers me that they do. So what I'm saying is, if you want wrecks in Charleston, the peninsula. There's so many fine dining restaurants; it's ridiculous. If you're trying to eat something that's not, you know, super high end or at least, you know, on the upper end, get out of there. Um, but my favorite restaurants on the Peninsula, Charleston Grill. I think it's one of the best restaurants in the world. Uh, I still think Peninsula holds its own. Uh, Fig's awesome. There's a ton of new restaurants down there. Hall's Chop House is obviously one of the, you know, big big staples in Charleston. But you really can't go wrong in the sense that there's going to be hot girls everywhere if you're single and if you're not there's going to be antiques if that makes your wife feel better um get off the peninsula is what i'm saying um go over to west ashley go over to mount pleasant go down to folly beach go to isle of palms it's in a wonderful area that's defined by this tiny little sliver of land um and it's really not fair to Charleston. Charleston's got so much more. I mean, if you want to play golf, holy shit, you got I'm, – I'm going down for my 40th birthday in a couple of weeks. We're going to play Bulls Bay. We're going to play Yeaman's Hall. And we're going to play Charleston Country, Country Cup of Charleston. And, um, you know, you could go to that, – that, I'm missing 40 golf courses within 30 minutes by not by not playing them. So if you're a golfer, do you know, there's a million things to do there. I just get off the peninsula. Don't be a bachelorette party. Don't – you know, that that's what – it's it's overdone at this point, and I'm I'm 90 minutes from there, and and listen, Ralphie Burger, David, it's not the goat, man. Austin's not the goat. Charleston's not the goat. It's over once 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 some random white girl magazine names you the best tourist destination. It's over. Get ready for old white people, man. Get ready for old white people, glutting up everything. So, get off the peninsula in Charleston. Have a good time. Um, uh, that's all I got, Jace. I don't know. Look for Darius because he's all over the freaking place down there. Yeah, there's some good barbecue places. Um, there's the one guy from Texas that went down there, Lewis. Yeah, and then there's the what's the other the guy that does the whole hogs, Rodney. Yeah, uh, Scotts or something like that. It's I just don't know why you're going to Charleston. Why do you come to Charleston from West Texas and eat barbecue? That's what I'm saying. Listen, That's not really. So, it. There's nothing could be more. What's different? South South Carolina's barbecue. We have such awesome food. Such awesome food. Don't eat our barbecue. It's it's really the pork barbecue specifically. If I was in West Texas and I came over here, I mean. If I if I went into a restaurant and it said brisket on the menu at, in any way, I would burn the restaurant down. Correct. Well, there Disgusting. you go, BB Bailey, eleven twenty five. There's the Charleston Rex from the Charleston expert himself. Um, I got, I got nothing else. Super Bowl was awesome. As a Texas Tech fan, I thought it was over. Thought there was no chance that they were going to win it, but Mahomes um, got together in the last few minutes, had a 98 quarterback rating in the last seven minutes and about a four for the rest of the game, but doesn't matter. He won, so we won. Uh, we, as a West Texas nation, won the Super Bowl. It was a great feeling. Um, you know, Your just, son happy? His son was happy. He was crying tears of joy. Um, it was a, you know just a great moment for all of us, all of us lifelong two-year Chiefs fans. And, you know. I'm not even going to talk about Texas basketball one tonight. We knew we were going to Oklahoma trash program. Um, not going to talk about that. Just going to bask in the glory of a Super Bowl. T- 
Tech's biggest win in football <laughs> from a team that doesn't even, that's not even Texas Tech. So I was happy to see it. Steve, what did you think about Super Bowl? Um, I thought that the most incredible part was that if you went in the fourth quarter, they had the, one of those odds meters. Like, oh, this person, you know, the Chiefs are, it's basically the 49ers are 98%. I think it was 94.6% percentage to win the Super Bowl at the certain time that they put that thing up. And it was exactly the same percentage of Hillary Clinton winning the uh, election. Exactly. There's like a screenshot of exactly the same. Whoever's running this simulation, get your shit together, man. I mean, seriously. Like, you can't be the same number. I mean, we obviously... This is way too many coincidences to all. The world is way too messed up. And every day that you wake up, there's weird stuff happening. But that, I mean, basically, that's like you waking up and you're like, mom is like, oh, my birthday is like you're the same as your address. Like, it just doesn't happen in real life. And, um, you know, I just encourage everybody to figure out a way to unplug from the matrix right now because we're all just human batteries getting sucked, our energy sucked into feeding these computers for probably feeding simulations on how, what Tiger Woods is going to do in the Masters, because that's going to be a complicated day. I, I did not see the one of the win probability with Hillary, but I saw it with the, compared to the Falcons uh, Patriot Super Bowl. So that's another thing. Whoever's in this simulation, stop doing it to Kyle Shanahan. Mm. Like, spread some of this out. Uh, I I like Kyle Shanahan, but that's a bad look. That's two in a row. After that second, after my home second interception, I thought it was over. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm happy for you, happy for your son, happy for all the tech fans. Uh, I had no huge rooting interest. Uh, I'm friends with Niners fans and with Chiefs fans. Happy for Andy Reid. Happy that we stomped out Kentucky on Saturday. Uh, Kentucky's doesn't it feel sh- good? It is. It just, they're, they're just a bunch of show ponies. We bullied them. We just lived at the line. Uh, killed them on the glass. Shot forty-four free throws, which their fans are up in arms and complaining about. And my, I mean, I'm an idiot, but my solution to that is just don't foul. But I, I don't know. Maybe that's too easy. A big win on the road, Arkansas, a really well-coached, scrappy team. But we actually played halfway decent on the road. Alabama blew a 15-point lead, choked. They're already in Joe Lenardi's last four out. They're just plummeting off the bubble, losing to Tennessee tonight. So a great week so far. It started with Webb, and we're just going to keep it rolling. I like in the uh, Super Bowl, the last time I felt that way was Spieth's Open Championship. Somebody I was rooting for hard, blew it, played terrible, and then in a matter of like 30 minutes was just dominating, and it was like nothing ever happened by the time it was over. Just a easy on the scorecard, just looked like an easy, you know, 11-point victory and a however much he beat Kuchar by, but you missed the whole drama before it and after it. And I see yeah. Steve rolling his eyes, but it was very, yeah. very similar. Yeah. yeah, sure. You could say that, or you could say it's just like Spieth hitting a ball in the water on 10, 11, 12, 14, 17, whatever. You know, San Francisco choked. Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I mean, if I'm if I'm Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, I, I'm just laughing my ass off 
they have somehow convinced people that Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. And here's why the United States is the best country on earth. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to convince these idiots to sign him. What, what's the deal he's on right now? 150 or something? It's insane, right? He's going to get an extension next year because he made it to the Super Bowl because he's got a good agent and the owners are all stupid. He's good looking. Well, thank you for your addition to that. Speaking of good looking, I think that I have not seen this breakdown anywhere else on media, and I feel like we need to at least address it. Uh, the whole Shakira J Lo controversy. I don't know. I know Fats, you probably aren't on Facebook with as many um, annoying white moms as I am. Uh, there was a big flat, you know, blowback to how sexual they were, and I don't really care because I don't think. I think there's a deeper point to be addressed here besides how sexual they were, how many times they touched their own. Vagina. Um, that is, um, are, Not J- enough. are J-Lo and Shakira still hot? First of all, hear me out. You saw them on TV at their best in makeup. Like, you know, they're 50. J-Lo's 50. Shakira's 45. Now, they're hot. But are, are they elite? I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I've never really had a thing for J-Lo. I will tell you a funny story. Story, my uh, they were, we were trying to tell our kids why J Lo was famous, and I said, J Lo is uh, Jennifer Lopez. Uh, yeah, she's kind of the yeah, person that made I'm um, having a yeah. big butt popular. And uh, my 15 year old son said, Dad, uh, 